0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Identity Architects for 2022. If you're new to Identity Architects, this is the podcast that's dedicated to spotlighting individuals who are changing how data and identity can be used to power richer customer experiences. We're kicking 2022 off in a big way, as our Chief Operating Officer Lauren Wetzel had the opportunity to sit down with Michael Shu, Vice President of Media Strategy at Kroger Precision Marketing. Before I hand it over to Lauren, just a quick reminder to hit that subscribe button to know when the next episode of Identity Architects drops. But without any further delay, I'll hand it over to Lauren.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Identity Architects. I'm Lauren Wetzel, Infosum's Chief Operating Officer, and I'm extremely excited to be joined by Michael Hsu, Vice President of Media Strategy at Kroger Precision Marketing. So, Michael, for anyone who's unfamiliar with you, and I really enjoyed learning more about your background and path to Kroger. Could you please give us an intro to both yourself and also to Kroger Precision Marketing?
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Lauren, for having me. Uh, it's good to good to be here. Uh, yeah, for uh, I'm Michael Shu. I lead media strategy for Kroger Precision Marketing. I've been with uh, the company 8451, which is the data science. Uh, arm of, of the Kroger company uh, for almost 10 years now. And uh, I started the consulting world before that and uh, bounced around in a couple of different areas. But I'm, I'm so excited, uh, even after almost 10 years, to, to be with the Kroger company. And the, the journey that we've been on with launching Kroger Precision Marketing about four years ago, uh, the retail media business of Kroger, Uh, has been a really interesting one and an exciting growth uh, area for us. Uh, You know, we're on a mission to uh, make brand advertising more effective for advertisers to close the loop between media exposure and store sales uh, and really drive toward real business outcomes for uh, our advertising partners and for uh, ultimately a a good experience for our Kruger customers.
1: I I love to meet and discuss Uh, Any other recovering consultants, because I know (laughs) we both uh, are (laughs) in that field, so plenty we could discuss there. But to focus in a bit on this year, 2021 has just completely flown by. This has also been one of the busiest years for retailers across the board from a number of angles. So the international retail boom, supply chain challenges, and the launches and expansions of retail media networks. For you, Michael, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you and your team have had to overcome in 2021?
0: Oh, man, uh, so many challenges uh, o- over the past year and, and even as we continue into this year. Um, you know, Being at the intersection of digital media and retail is, is, is almost like two big uh, disruptive industries sort of coming together at the same time. Uh, to, to hone in on, on a couple, um, you know, we're, we're a new, still consider ourselves a, a new media company four years in. And, uh, so hiring, getting the right talent, uh, getting the right workflows, maturing our work practices, prioritizing opportunities. There's just so much we could go after and, and so many ways that our data and our science could influence uh, brand advertising in a really positive way, getting the right, uh, teams and structure in place and prioritizing all of that has, has been a real challenge, but a, a fun one to tackle. Uh, and then on the retail side, certainly, you know, we're, we're America's largest grocer, largest pure play grocer. We're in 35 states and, you know, one in two U.S. households shop with us every year. And so, uh, we we aren't stopping there. We're expanding our footprint. Uh, you have seen Kroger in the news probably a lot recently with the launch of different automated fulfillment centers, both in new markets for us, as well as existing markets to drive operational efficiencies in our pickup and delivery e-commerce businesses. And, and we've uh, partnered and, and worked with many different people throughout that. So again, exciting, fun growth challenges, but challenges nonetheless, as we you know, work through these two dynamic industries of, of digital media and advertising and, and grocery retail.
1: That's really helpful and good to kind of get that lens, especially as, you know, we take a turn to 2022 and hopefully we're we're starting amidst what we all are experiencing in our personal lives, the pandemic and many other things, hopefully see, um, you know, signs of light. Uh, when, one thing that you mentioned in terms of the size and scale uh, of Kroger and therefore the influence, Um, is obviously there comes with that influence, you know, great responsibility, and so with an increased consumer and industry awareness surrounding data security and privacy, obviously a subject near and dear to our hearts at InfoSum, what do you think is the best way to address these matters, and really who is responsible for educating the consumers on these topics?
0: Yeah, it's such a great and important question, and you know, you're right. It's it's um, it's a it's a new age in terms of how consumers view their data, how we we as retailers and and companies of any kind treat data security and privacy. Uh, in in our minds, the digital marketing industry is really long overdue for more transparency around data collection practices and the value exchange with customers. As part of that, uh, we've really found that. People are um, very willing and eager and happy to opt in to first party data relationships with us as a retailer if there's the right transparency in, in what, how we're using that data and what value a customer is getting in exchange. And so we, we've been really fortunate at Kroger to have a, a really well-established loyalty program for over 20 years where it's almost second nature for customers who shop in our stores or online to use their loyalty card and and scan it uh, capturing 96% of our in-store sales. And so in exchange for uh, that, that uh, you know, data responsibility you know we're providing our customers with price discounts digital coupons fuel points where they can uh, get get fuel off of the pump uh, and many other sort of benefits uh, of being a Kroger customer relevancy of, of what they see online when they engage with us digitally uh, and it's kept kept our customers really engaged really loyal to loyal to uh, Kroger loyal to specific brands and it allows us to reward them and uh, and provide the right uh, exchange with them uh, in exchange for that transparency and, and real value that, uh, that they see in, in the relationship with their, their favorite grocer, Kroger.
1: I think that's so important. And I think as companies grapple with building up that first party relationship, it really is in a lot of the examples that you just meant, mentioned, it's that created, creation of a value exchange that companies need to be focused on. And it sounds like there's many different opportunities across those different touch points that you are uh, deploying to differentiate yourself. Um, And we've seen a lot of great examples of that. But to to take a couple of steps back, less than a decade ago, Amazon was really the only retail media network game in town. Uh, But over the the past couple of years and the growth of the industry and these in-housing advertising arms really are creating value and revenue for their parent companies. In the past year alone, Albertsons, Lowe's, Dollar Tree, Best Buy, and Home Depot have all really just jumped in and launched and expanded their networks. There's a lot of enthusiasm around this uh, concept of retail media, but what really does an integrated retail media network and an ecosystem look like to you at Kroger
0: yeah, it's a, a great question, and, and a lot of uh, a lot of players jumping in, a lot of noise, a lot of uh, standardization, frankly, that needs to happen as brands think about their different investment choices, and and a lot of just you know education and things that, that need to happen as you know data sources are really different across different retailers, uh, the different practices, and and uh, the 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 value of of inventory at different points in the funnel, all all interesting things to figure out. To us. Um, yeah, our focus has always been people People don't need more advertising. They need that advertising to work harder for them. So whether you're an advertiser or whether you're a customer, customer doesn't want to see something irrelevant and that's where they get annoyed. For an advertiser, if the customer doesn't see value in what you're, you're showing them and the message you're putting in front of them, it's not going to drive a good return or a positive outcome no matter what your objective is. And so, you know, we find that our customers and our focus on the customer of, you know, getting food on the table for their family each week or discovering healthy new snacks, looking up recipes, finding savings um, or ways to shop easier and faster. If you think about our e-commerce offerings, we've really built Kroger Precision Marketing and the ecosystem and portfolio of advertising products that we have across our owned and operated properties, across our direct publisher relationships and, and programmatically across the open web to create the right access points for advertisers to use our data and our science and our measurement to improve the effectiveness of their advertising investments, to build solutions, not just advertising, that helps them achieve the objectives and specific business goals. At the end of the day, helps a customer do something that is going to be meaningful to them, to their family, as they engage with us as a a major food retailer.
1: I love that you started and ended with the consumer, because as you know, I think the easiest thing that we can relate to across industries, and again, whether you're coming from a traditional media background or a programmatic background, I think you know, at the heart of it, that's that's really where you should start and finish, which is, you know, you said it really eloquently, just like about less less about more ads and more about relevant ads and more about <laughs> ads that are going to serve you and you know your families. And I think that's incredibly important. And I I wish. A lot more companies <laughs> would, would approach it that way. You just uh, launched the Kroger Marketplace, the private marketplace, which is a self-service programmatic platform. What drove Kroger to make this type of investment to build this marketplace? And what also differentiates you from other marketplaces? Because I know we hear of many marketplaces kind of similar in, in trend to the launch of many retail media networks. It'd be great to get an understanding of that Kroger private marketplace.
0: Yeah, it was uh, an exciting launch for us at the end of, of 2021, and and really the product of a strategy that we put in place, you know, a, a year or more ago, and a lot of you know hard work uh, between our, our teams and our our partners uh, to make that happen. Uh, we are are incredibly excited about our our private marketplace, and um, it, it's a little bit different than a traditional private marketplace, uh, which you know most people think of as you know exclusive inventory. Uh, that uh, you know a, a media platform or partner might provide uh, and curate for a specific sort of brand to engage with. This is much more about uh, the data and the science and the measurement that we bring and really feel like uh, differentiates us as a platform. And it's the pairing of that data with whatever inventory a brand uh, wants uh, to, to pair it with, whether that's from one of the major uh, SSPs or exchanges, Uh, And in the future, as we continue to move past sort of our MVP version, potentially direct with publishers and other other areas as well. The the real focus and how we've set it up for us is on creating uh, the right access point for advertisers and not making them come to us. We wanna meet advertisers where they are in their preferred DSP, with their own buying tools, with their own brand safety, uh, verification tools, uh, tagging requirements, and other things. So we are pairing, enabling advertisers to build custom audiences with us using our data and our science, pair that uh, with uh, whatever inventory they would like, uh, and push that into their existing uh, data. DSP. So in that way, we're DSP agnostic. We're not making them come to us, we're going to them and allowing them to use the power of our data to reduce wasted impressions, to extend reach uh, and, and drive incremental reach, uh, to drive the right flexibility with uh, how, uh, how folks can buy and really allow advertisers to main control, maintain control over those buying parameters and optimization parameters that you know they're used to uh, and that are really important to them.
1: By powering that marketplace, you're in a unique position because while you're helping brands reach those audiences and deliver value and drive efficiencies, you as a part of Kroger also have a really critical, you know, two-way relationship with your customers and brand loyalty is really that key to then building up, you know, the oil within that marketplace and within that network and that system, which is that first party relationship and that first party data there's obviously different challenges for different types of brands and retailers for reaching consumers and building that trust. Um, But I'd love to dig a little bit into that that notion of Kroger as a brand and brand loyalty with grocers. Um, What are some of the issues that grocers face with building relationships when compared with, say, a more traditional retail brand?
0: Yeah, groceries certainly, uh, you know, quite a bit different in a number of respects. And I think it actually uh, provides a number of different advantages, right? You know, people shop for groceries um, every week, sometimes multiple times a week that they engage with us. You know, we often see, especially even our e-commerce customers will place one big e-commerce transaction, you know, maybe once every two weeks and then do some fill-in trips. In store to pick up, you know, a few of the other things along the way. So that more frequent connection is actually an advantage for us and for brands who are looking to create, you know, loyalty with with customers as well as they engage with us. It's really difficult for food brands. Uh, I feel like in many cases to create a one to one relationship with customers, and a customer doesn't want to create, you know, relationships with a. Uh, hundred different, you know, products that they have in their basket every week. Right. And so uh, as a, as a grocery retailer uh, we've, we've built up that trust with customers and, you know, there's different levels of that. There's different impacts to loyalty uh, and uh, engagement at different points in a customer's journey, as they go through major life stages, as they, you know, figure out some other things, you know, grocery is certainly not as, uh, not as uh, Maybe not as sexy as some of the the bigger other sort of retail um, you know industries out there, but in some ways there's some advantages and that connection to uh, customers that we have every week, sometimes every couple of days uh, creates this. Uh, interesting sort of advantage and nuance on how we we continue to drive loyalty with brands, and for for brands specifically, it makes it so important to get that item in the basket one time because it leads to so many repeat purchases. Right? You know, you might not uh, getting buying a TV for the first time might not necessarily. Uh, mean another transaction with that that brand from a customer for for years. Uh, but, you know, if you, you try a new bag of chips, for example, you might buy that every week for the next year. And so a different price point, obviously, but a, a different level of engagement and uh, of, of connection point with a customer that you can have.
1: That's so true. I was actually thinking a lot about my own habits and sort of engagement with, you know, my, you know, grocery retailer of choice. And then also thinking back to long ago with a a local grocery and this notion of, you know, what my mom in a suburb of Baltimore heavily relied on, which was the uh, longtime loyalty card that I think we would pass, you know, sister to sister, mom to daughter, you know, anytime that you sort of (laughs) entered into the grocery. And it's funny to even think back you know, way back when, you know, you weren't submitting an email, you weren't tracking any of that, there was sort of no other connective tissue. And so you touched on a couple of these examples, but on that thread, how has Kroger adapted from that long time loyalty card that were, you know, really one of the first touch points that so many shoppers had as that value exchange with their retailer, their
0: grocer? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's, in some ways, it really has uh, it has shifted a lot. In some ways, it's still very the same, very much the same. You know, we we still have you know many of our customers, myself included, still have a you know a small loyalty card on their on their keychain, right? That you might scan uh, at 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 you know the the POS system when you check out in store. But what what Kroger's really done uh, a really nice job of over the last I'll say five to ten years, and this enabled us to really not that anybody was ready. For for the pandemic to hit and all the customer behavior changes that happened, it allowed us to really um, maximize a lot of the opportunity as customers did start to shop online more. We, we were very clear early on in our technical development about how we connected our loyalty card together with a customer's digital account for those who engage digitally with us or have the you know Kroger mobile app and created a really seamless buying ecosystem for uh, for a customer as they engage with us. So the experience that you see on desktop is nearly exactly the same to what you see in the mobile app. Your experience uh, at Kroger is the same as your experience Uh, at Fred Meyer in the Northwest, which is also part of the Kroger family of brands. And each of your different touch points as a customer, whether you're making a purchase in-store or online, impacts one or the other. And So as you think about some of the different uh, personalization sciences that actually drive Uh, recommendations on our site as the customer is searching and building their basket online. Uh, You know, knowing what somebody purchased in-store the week before is a really important signal to help the customer find what they might be looking for this week uh, online and vice versa. And so that really seamless connection, we see customers using their phone and mobile app in-store much more frequently now to either navigate the store or download digital coupons uh, as they, they walk the aisles or um, or use Kroger Pay at checkout for you know, a, a, a touchless uh, and and you know contact-free uh, checkout experience. Uh, that that has been uh, the real evolution that we've seen. And as Kroger continues to sort of expand their footprint, which I, I talked on a little bit earlier, especially into new markets where we're standing up automated fulfillment centers and we'll have an exclusive you know, e-commerce delivery offering, allows us to bring that sort of same digital seamless ecosystem to those markets and uh, engage with customers in much the same way.
1: I think the pandemic has really brought out confirmation of the notion of just do the hard work early and do it first in terms of innovation. I'm sure there's a lot of praise across the decisions to invest in technology and invest in technology that can scale just ahead to help tie in those, those connection points and make it that much easier to kind of adopt in the new normal during the pandemic. So that's that was super fascinating to hear how you guys went about it. Um, my favorite part of our podcast we have arrived which is the quick fire questions and we can get to know just a little bit more um you know as quick as you want to answer um about you michael so i'll start with uh we talked a lot about advertising so what is your earliest memory of advertising
0: oh gosh um i guess i'll stick with food so uh my my (laughs) My dad called me Mikey and still does sometimes, uh, but as a kid, he certainly called me Mikey all the time. So I actually really distinctly remember the Quaker Life cereal uh, kid, Mikey, who was on all the boxes (laughs) and in the commercials. Uh, you know, eating life cereal, and uh, always had like a big smile on his face. So I, I distinctly remember that maybe that I think that came back up recently, because I think, uh, I think Quaker life went back to sort of a, a retro box uh, for a time, and I, I saw it on the shelf. And uh, of course, I, of course, I bought one out of nostalgia.
1: That That's something I'm now going to do after this, which is, you know, immediately <laughs> research where is Mikey now? <laughs> What was your first job in either publishing or advertising, or as we, I think we touched a little bit on this with consulting?
0: Yeah. Um... I'm, I'm that odd person who actually has an engineering degree and I'm now in advertising has a number of different advantages uh, from an analytics standpoint, but my first job was in actually structural engineering. Uh, But I I guess in the consulting world, I, you know, I hit on publishing and advertising in in a few different areas, Uh, did some, some work in uh, a few spots just on, uh, you know, on on go to market strategy and, and on um, you know, user experience and a few different things, but you know, really deliberately, it was you know when I, I I joined Kroger here and started building some of the foundation for KPM, and it was it was neat to be part of the early foundation of of building uh, that team in that case uh, because you know it allowed me to wear uh, many different hats uh, when we were a much smaller team and uh, learn the ins and outs of the industry and and work with some you know really cool people across media agencies and CPG brands.
1: On that thread, what do you love about what you do right now in the industry you're in?
0: Yeah, um, oh man, it's just always changing. Um, it always keeps it so interesting. And you know, we talked earlier a little bit about, you know, the dis- disruption between two two key industries. There's uh, there's so much uh, to learn. There's so much to do. There's so many um, cool people that I work with, both here and with partners, and uh, that that keeps me uh, keeps me really engaged and really excited about what we're doing.
1: As an industry, we're obsessed with the concept of identity. Obviously, to power so many of the solutions you talked about. But how would you actually explain the term identity to a ten-year-old? <laughs> uh,
0: I've got three kids under six, so I feel like, uh, <laughs> this, is, like this is good practice for me. Um, uh, you know, for me, it's it's uh, I think it's really what motivates and excites a person, and what is what describes them, it's what makes them who they they are, Uh, you know, and in this industry, for sure, it's the, you know, culmination of your, your, your intent, your behavior, your, uh, your, your signals in different areas that help, uh, help somebody understand you and help us as a a media platform engage with you in the best way uh, to meet your needs and, you know, inspire you uh, in in a way that's going to resonate with, you know, your particular identity.
1: What keeps you awake at night?
0: Uh, well, my seven-month-old right now, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, you know, at, at work, and we touched on this a little bit already, it's really just prioritization. It's all the things we could do. It's all the ways that our data and science could impact uh, both customers and advertisers uh, so, uh, so positively uh, and, you know, sifting through and, and figuring out the right areas to go after with what are always sort of limited uh, resources and, and constraints uh, is, uh, is is what keeps me up
1: and what gets you up in the morning or motivated in the morning
0: oh just just the people my team the the people here the people I work with uh, so many cool people in this industry and so many uh, people that are just just fun to learn from and excited to sort of get up every day and learn something new
1: and lastly, what do you want or need to say that you haven't already mentioned, or anything that you would like to add to our audience of identity architects?
0: Just you know, encourage everybody to uh, um, you know to to think differently about how we we uh, how we we have done things in the past in this industry. There's so many changes happening, so many changes coming, especially related to identity. As you think about uh, what the future of data-driven advertising looks like, how we solve for some of those challenges is uh, going to be so, so important. And uh, there's, there's, you know, advertising gets a lot of negative press. Sometimes there's a lot of good in advertising. Uh, there's a lot of things that we couldn't do without it. And uh, you know, how, do, how do we, as, as an industry and as, you know, in my case, as, as a retailer, lead the way uh, in designing uh, what, uh, what the future looks like here and how that, again, back to the value exchange with consumers, what that looks like and how we most meet consumer needs.
1: Very, very well said. So this podcast is all about the individuals who have pioneered new ways to use data to deliver better customer experiences. And thank you so much for all of the great insight you shared about the amazing work that Kroger Precision Marketing has really started to lead the retail industry uh, through a pandemic and on many other areas of innovation. Uh, When you look to people you admire in the industry, who would you nominate for us to interview in an upcoming episode?
0: Oh, it's a great question. Uh, I mean, first, thanks for having me, Lauren and and InfoSum. This has been great. It's been great to chat with you. Um, I don't know if I'll name anybody specifically by name, but um, yeah, there's, like I said already, there's just so many cool people in this industry. I think that most, the, the biggest thing I would say is, is to find the people who really, truly keep this customer at the center of what they do. That's, that's all about um, that. That is core uh, to, to advertising and how we're going to how we're going to solve for many of the different identity challenges that, that exist. Uh, And not just saying that you're customer first, but designing identity and advertising solutions that are truly good for the customer, that truly demonstrate and clearly and transparently uh, make make it apparent what what we are doing as advertisers, what their identity uh, means, and uh, what it helps unlock for them in terms of inspiration and value uh, in their digital uh, environment.
1: So it sounds like our next Identity Architects will have Mikey Shu from (laughs) VP Kroger. Uh, Thank you so, so much for joining uh, and thank you for all the insights you provided to the Identity Architects audience. And for everyone listening in, please subscribe and we'll catch you next time.